710-993 WBT. Hour number three, the Pete Callender Show. 704-570-1110-1800 WBT-1110. Last hour, we were talking about uh, concealed handgun permits and the governor's veto of a grace period, basically, um, that would have allowed people to not have to go back through the whole class and all that. Um, interestingly enough, last night there was a five-and-a-half-hour Charlotte City Council meeting, and the topic that got the most uh, attention, I feel like, was the open-air market that was on Central Avenue that got shut down by the city, I guess back in February. Uh, it got shut down, and um, they, uh, the people, the vendors, they showed up at the meeting and were demanding that the city fulfill its promise to help them find a new site. I'm going to get into the details on this, play some of the audio from this meeting last night. Um, but one thing in doing some of the research on this market, I think it was a WSOC TV story that I came across that said there was somebody that was actually arrested for selling guns in the parking lot without an FFL. You're talking about a gun show loophole. How come nobody on the left ever talks about the flea market loophole? What's up with that? Somebody was slinging pistols out of the back of a truck at the Central Avenue open air market. And, uh, and, and that's not a reason to shut the whole thing down. I'm not saying that was the reason why it all got shut down. That guy got arrested, but Oh, also, um, what was the other thing? Health department. Yeah. The health department said, Food trucks are out there, people cooking up food, all selling without proper licenses and all of that stuff. And again, as I mentioned last hour, as a deadhead, I have eaten more than my share of parking lot grub. Not inspected by health departments. Veggie sandwiches, veggie burritos, grilled cheese. A lot of grilled cheese, actually. It's it's cheap and easy to make. Anyway, um... I'm not necessarily objecting to this stuff, but for the proponents of large government, this is what happens. This is part of what happens, right? You got people who were selling food to other people in parking lots, and maybe some of them got sick or something, but the health department wasn't in there. These trucks were not uh, being inspected. They were unsanitary, people getting sick, other people selling guns out of their cars. So all of this stuff is going on. That is an unregulated free market right there. <laughs> that is total free market. But they were on a lease. The vendors there were on a lease that uh, expired like a year ago. But they kept operating anyway. As the license expired for the market operator, the city then said, it could be held liable for the actions of the vendors or the patrons. And so they went in and shut them down. And then they put up barriers all along the perimeter so people could not get into the Eastland Mall site. Or I don't know if it's all along the whole perimeter, but they put it up so you couldn't access the site, which is about 80 acres. Okay. Now, the real world implication of this is what? You've got people 
that made a living at this open air market, this Central Avenue market. And now they can't. Now they can't. One of those people is a fellow by the name of Jorge Castaneda. And he says that he lost 90% of his merchandise. Apparently people were storing merch on the site as well. And he said he lost 90% of his merchandise when the, uh, when the, the city and the police came and shut down the open air market. It was unfair the way they closed the flea market without giving us at least the opportunity to sell during that weekend. I want to thank uh, Ms. Arjimira to speak in favor of us, but nothing has been done since that day. Uh, I don't only lose my merchandise, I lost the opportunity to continue selling my products and to bring more income to my family. My debts getting bigger day by day. I want to show to you guys two statements from my credit card. This is for my business. I am late on payments on my credit cards. And if this situation keeps going the same way, I am not going to be able to pay my truck payment. I'm going to lose it, and I use it for my business. I want you guys to put this situation on your heads and help us solve it. We are struggling with this situation. This is the proof. This is my name. This is my business. I'm losing it. Everybody who sells on the on this flea market of the Central Avenue is losing it. Please do something to reopen or give us the opportunity to buy the land. We are create a non-public organization. We, will not want, don't want, we don't want nothing free, but we want to work with the city of Charlotte. The right way to put our small business in the city of Charlotte, the way it was. All right. Sounds like a legit complaint, right? Guy's got bills racking up. Apparently, he sold produce. Oh, and by the way, I thought Councilman Braxton Winston uh, made a fair point. He said, look, the county, they're always talking about food deserts. Well, have you been over to the Central Avenue, where you know, Central Avenue and the old Eastland Mall site there at Albemarle? Right? Food desert. Oh, absolutely. So, um, hey, wh- why shut this down and why not help them relocate this stuff? Um the city council said six months ago that they would work to find these uh, vendors to find another location, but they haven't been able to do so yet. Why? Well, there are certain criteria that they have to meet. First off, they prefer to be on the east side, maybe the west side, but preferably the east side. Uh, it has to be able to accommodate the traffic. It's got to provide ample space for the vendors to set up. It has to be paved. It has to be in good condition because you can't have people walking around on broken concrete or asphalt. Maybe they fall over, they trip, and oh my gosh, now they're going to sue somebody. Um, they got to find a place that's able to guarantee certainty. So you got to have a really large, fairly recently paved lot somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, six to 10 acres that you're not using and not ever going to use. So you can provide some certainty for the market to operate in perpetuity for 18 months, two years, whatever it may be. But aside from that, uh, it should be pretty easy. (laughs) No, it's not. The city staff is like, uh, yeah, we've been in certain talks with the the Simmons YMCA, uh, the Aldersgate, but they're getting redeveloped, the Park Expo Center. They had all these different sites they've been talking to, but but, but none of them will work for various different reasons. 
How about a, a county park? How about that, right? Oh, well, the county, they charge you for the use of the park. You got to go through their permitting. It's unreliable. It's inconsistent access. So how about smaller markets all around the area? That was the idea thrown out by some of the uh, Charlotte City Council members. And then the city staffer said they would love to speak with anybody who has any ideas about potential sites. (laughs) So, all right, we'll play some more audio from this because somebody actually does come up with a solution. And you know me, I am all about solutions. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Charlotte City Council met last night and they got an earful from a room full of uh, activists and advocates and open-air market vendors from the Central Avenue market that got shut down back in February. And back then, the Charlotte City Council, in the uh, in the heat of a primary campaign, uh, they said, we are totally going to work with you and we're going to find you a new site. The Eastland Mall site's like 80 acres paved. It's huge. People were storing stuff on the um, on the premises and such. They shut it all down, and the city has been unable to locate another place for all of these vendors to go. And honestly, these are entrepreneurs, and I tend to support entrepreneurs. I want government regulation, red tape, out of the way. Now, that doesn't mean that the city is mandated to give them a site for all of this. Hector Vaca is the immigrant justice director at the left-wing group Action NC. But he's also on the board of the Central Avenue Flea Market. Several months ago, the city of Charlotte agreed that the circumstances that led to the ejectment of these vendors were less than ideal. Ejectment? It was also agreed that the vendors were not at fault for staying on the property as they were not adequately informed of their need to vacate. As a result of these unfortunate circumstances, the Charlotte City Council and the City of Charlotte made a commitment to assist these vendors in finding a new location to establish their market. The city also agreed to help finance this new location with a peri- um, for a period of time. Sadly, up to this moment, the City of Charlotte has not delivered on its promise to find a location for the collective of family businesses to work and thrive. The manner in which many of these vendors were ejected by CMPD can only be described as a raid by an occupying force, as property was willfully damaged. Adding insult to injury, the city staff members that led the raid were observed to have knocked elbows with smiles on their faces as if they were saying to each other, good job. Okay, so there you got classic leftist projection, right? He's, He's projecting upon these people motive, animus. As we mentioned earlier in the program, this is kind of their M.O. This guy has no idea what these people were knocking elbows for. Which, by the way, you, you know why you knock elbows? is because you people told us we were spreading COVID everywhere. That's what everybody started doing. Remember the stupid, hey, let's bump elbows, oh, how are you, whatever. Maybe that's what they were doing, buddy. This was just a not a good approach. Not a good approach, but... He is arguing to Democratic city council members, and so maybe that sort of stupidity plays better among them than it would among me. I don't know. Maybe. This has yet to be addressed by the city 
Between the property damage caused by CMPD, the loss of thousands of dollars in perishables, loss of customers, and cost of temporary relocation, many of these families, businesses, are in debt, in many cases, tens of thousands of dollars. The forced closing of the central flea market is a symptom of a much larger problem. At the moment, many of our affordable communities are being gentrified as this city council uh. has allowed developers to price people out of their neighborhoods, uh. causing many to move forward further away and spend more on gas and public transportation just to get to work, doctor's visits, shopping, and school. The central flea market provided many of the, of the goods and services that many of these families um, depended on at affordable prices. Right, but uh, the lease was up, and you guys had to leave, and you didn't leave. And so essentially you became squatters at some point, right? He said the lack of follow-through, though, is unacceptable. And look, I agree. The city, the city council members, they made some commitments, right? And he said the lack of follow-through is not acceptable, especially because council's up for re-election. This city council has yet to show its leadership in protecting our neighborhoods from developers. It has yet to show a true commitment to small businesses as it cowers to the will of corporate landlords and developers. During this election season, we, the community, challenged the city council to step up and truly lead, showing us why you deserve to be re-elected. You can start by honoring your commitment and promises. Defend the bullied instead of the bullies. Support the central flea market vendors. Help these working families to get back to work. All right, so to be clear, he's calling the bullies, I guess, CMPD and city staffers that went in there and had to clear out the squatters. Because that's what you became. I mean, I understand you were storing your merchandise on the site that you had the lease for. But when the city said you had to vacate the property and then they came in and you had not vacated the property, what, what did you expect was going to happen? They're going to clear that out, right? Assistant City Manager Brent Cagle said city staff has been working on this now for several months. We have found uh, some sites, but none of them are ideal. Uh, most of the sites, or all of the sites that we found so far, uh, are too small to accommodate the number of vendors in one location uh, like Eastland did. So we continue to work on it. Um, We've also had continuing conversations with other site, with private site owners, uh, with nonprofits in the area. Again, and, and we continue to work on it, but one of, the, uh, one of the major problems that we continue to run to, into, that we have run into, is site size. Um, and, and quite frankly, that has been a challenge for us, finding a site that is large enough to accommodate all of the vendors in one location with all of the infrastructure, parking, and those kinds of things. Right. It's almost like when you set the criteria for a, quote, safe site, for it to be regulated in, you know, all forms and manner, um, that somehow or another that might present a barrier for entry. It's almost like they're right on the edge of discovering something about entrepreneurship and about the cost of government regulations. Gosh, they're so close. So close. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, so the uh, Charlotte City Council meeting last night, five and a half hours. I mean, I feel like I, I need to keep saying that just for the... I mean, uh, yeah, martyr syndrome. Like, I, yeah, okay. I mean, because I watched the whole thing. Recorded it all, pulled sound bites. Anyway, I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for a trophy. 
But no, uh, <laughs> man, some of it. Ooh, boy. I got more audio. There's going to be another round tomorrow. And this one, let's, let, me, let me just say this. One Charlotte City Council member just tore into another council member. But I think it had, I think it was late. I think she was a little angry or, or, or cranky because of the late hour and uh, the, the P word got used. Mm-hmm. Privilege. Okay. All right. We'll do that tomorrow. Um, right now, talking about the big open-air vendor market in uh, uh, East Charlotte. Hey, look, this is predominantly the Latino, uh, Hispanic community, right? That's what's going on here. This is an open-air flea market vendor uh, site they set up on Eastland Mall, and everybody started coming. They brought all their trucks, and they brought all their wares, and they were just selling stuff. And then the city was like, hey, we're redeveloping Eastland Mall. You got to get off. And then they didn't get off, and so then they came in and cleared them out. And that was six months ago, and they're like, oh, our bad. It's election season, and this looks terrible, us kicking out uh, you know, Hispanic entrepreneurs, kicking them off of this site. And so Democrats very attuned to the, uh, uh, to the sensitivities of the community. They said, we are going to help you find a new site. Slight problem. They didn't actually know if they could help them find a new site. So when they go try to find a new site, it's like, wow, we need to find a really big site. And we can't just like have you guys anywhere. You have to hit all of these, uh, all of these criteria. It's got to be safe. It has to be this. Got enough parking, right? Now, all of a sudden, you're getting a crash course. Welcome to America. You're getting a crash course in bureaucracy. The thing that makes America what it is today. And so several uh, several members of the council, I'm not going to play their audio clips, but they, you know, ask questions of staff and they were like, we're going to help you. We want staff to solve the problem. Can you come with some next steps, maybe uh, uh, maybe a slideshow uh, with a, you know, with a slide at the very end that's going to say something like questions and, uh, you know, that sort of thing at a future council meeting. Let's put it on the agenda. Council member Renee Johnson then proposed letting the vendors return to the site if it's not being used or parts of it are not being developed, redeveloped or whatever. So then Councilman Tark Bakari, Republican, he says, you know what, I'm going to promise to solve the problem. I think the problem that I've heard loud and clear is that uh, Jorge, who came and spoke and held up his bills, can't wait anymore. There's no more time for waiting. So what we have to do here is very easily recognize one thing. There's a difference between all of us when you show up in force and us talking here to you and paying you lip service and telling you, oh, we care, and then staff is left on their own to try to figure out things. There's a big difference between that and us saying, I'm going to take personal notice of this and go solve the problem alongside staff. And that is the problem right now. You guys don't need more lip service. You need action. And it isn't going to happen around this diet. So what we have to do is very simple, because I'm not going to sit here and do the same thing and feed you the lip service. I've been communicating with my team right up there. Charlie and David are going to take point, and we're going to spend the next 60 days solving this. We're going to figure it out and work alongside everybody and make it happen. So I'll see you guys on the streets for that.
Wait for it. Wait. You, you, sh I, you shouldn't write checks. You can't cash. I just took a Mr. big risk making that commitment, Mr. but we're going to follow Vodka. through. Ah. Malcolm Graham said you shouldn't write checks. You can't cash. That is true. Kind of like the city did when it said it would find him a new site. But um, it's true. Tark Bakari is now out on a, he's out on a limb, as are his team, members of his team, the other folks that are running for Charlotte City Council on the Republican ticket. They've got their slate of four candidates for the at-large seats. And one of those candidates, he mentioned, he mentioned David. That's David Merrill. David Merrill got up to speak later about the Uniform Development Ordinances. But before he did, he said, hey, I actually have some solutions. And you know me. That's right. I'm all about solutions. There are two good locations which he can use, and this can be resolved tonight. The first one is at West Tryon at the intersection of North Bruns Avenue. The second is on Monroe Road across from Village Lake at McAlpine Station. That is a very large plot of land. It's been used for things in the past. I used to live in that community. I think it'd be a phenomenal location. Bam! Look at that! Solved. Problem solved. I mean, I have no idea. I haven't been out to these sites, but sounds like problem solved. I mean, it, it seems like it's it, he's making a case for Republican leadership on Charlotte City Council. Look at that. Didn't even take him, but... I think it was like a, I mean, it was like an hour later, uh, but that was only because they had a very long meeting. It was like five and a half hours. I watched the whole, okay. So the the locations now, we got some ideas out there. We'll see if the Republicans can follow through. But you know, you know that this is concerning to the Democrats. Tark Bakari, think, just think about this for a second. Tark Bakari. Charlotte City Councilman, Republican, one of only two Republicans on the dais, on the body. He is making those comments, and that chamber is full of people on their feet applauding him. Now, they'll be looking to drag him through the streets if, you know, he doesn't come through on this. But that's concerning for the Democrats on council, so much so. That Renee Johnson, who usually doesn't have the sense to stay quiet on things when she should, she then throws out the idea, well, why don't we just why don't we just let them go in right now? And we'll let them set up on some parts of the property or whatever, and we'll do that. Well, okay, first off, as the mayor explains to her, you don't have an agenda item. This is just the public forum where we just sit here and listen to people that come in and complain. So this isn't on the agenda. You can't just throw something out there like that if it's not publicly noticed, right? You have to, you got to provide the public with notice on something like this. So she says, okay, well, how about unanimous consent then? Because that's how you get something added to the agenda. She says, how about can I get unanimous consent to get it on the agenda? And Councilman Ed Driggs, Republican, says, no, you don't get to the, he said, we, this is a, this is an 80-acre redevelopment site. There, there are a lot of contracts. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of development, a lot of work, a lot of people. There's a lot of stuff already tied up on that site. And just because you drive by it and you look over and you don't see something happening, so therefore, oh, it's just sitting vacant, that doesn't mean that that land is not encumbered legally somehow, right? So he's like, no, I'm not going to agree to to blow the blow up whatever is going on, we have no idea that you just like, you just made this up right now. That is not good governance. 
that's a recipe for disaster. You're going to have people out on the site. You're going to have work crews showing up. It's just, anyway, liabilities out the yin-yang, all of that. So Ed Driggs is like, no, I'm not going to agree to put this on the agenda for tonight. You want to put it on the next agenda? Fine. I'll go along with that. Let's get an update at the next council meeting, which is like August. So fine, let's put it on the next agenda, but not now. And so Renee Johnson then says something like, oh, well, you know, I just thought maybe if the Republicans wanted to try and solve this, you know. And there was the tell. There was the tell. That's how you know they knew that what Tark Bakari did hurt them. They saw the shift in the room, and they're looking at all these Hispanic people in the audience, and they're thinking, uh-oh, because they also know the national trend lines. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Sorry, I'm just looking around here at the, uh, oh, McAlpine Station is nice, says Ikifu. Good, good. Oh, here's another, uh, forgot this message from earlier. We were discussing the um, the PPP money. Only like a quarter of it actually went to businesses that uh, would have disappeared, but they didn't. He's. Uh, this is from Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus. He says, uh, my experience and that of a lot of others was the same. They put banks in charge of the decisions on who would get PPP money, and the banks put those people who had an existing lending relationship, in other words, already owed the banks money, they put them at the front of the line. So essentially, uh, the banks used that money to protect their existing loans and protect themselves. It was a bank bailout slash protection scheme billed as a small business program. Um, okay, and then this is a suggestion for Bumper Tune. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Um, let me see here. There was also one other item, and I did have audio, but we won't listen to it. It's Braxton Winston, and um, he was just speaking in support of it. And he pulled this item out of the consent agenda item uh, or agenda. Just be, and I, I'm bringing it to you because I think it's worth noting. Uh, the city of Charlotte actually funds positions in the judiciary. Do you know that? So they're actually now going to be, uh, they've authorized the city manager to negotiate and execute contracts for the funding of five positions in the DA's office, in the property crime court, and the partial funding of four positions in the DA's office's drug crime unit. So those two areas in the DA's office, property crime and drug crime. Uh, they're also going to authorize city manager to renew the contracts for up to four one-year terms. Since 2008, the city has provided annual funding to the Mecklenburg County DA's office in order to support the full cost of two assistant DA's and three victim-slash-witness legal assistants in the DA's office's property crime unit. 12.5% of the cost of four assistant DA's in the uh, in the drug crime unit is also borne by Charlotte city taxpayers. Annual expenditures for this expansion of funding into the DA's office, about $401,000, a little bit more. So city taxpayers were paying for more court services because the state is not doing so adequately. Um, oh, and then there's this, what have I been saying? 
you're never woke enough. You'll never be woke enough, ever. Here we go. First, Starbucks said that it's closing 16 U.S. stores after workers reported incidents related to drug use and other disruptions in cafes. And that was just among the employees. Oh, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Just a joke. No, they're going to, but Starbucks is going to personally close six stores, six stores in Seattle, six stores in Los Angeles, two in Portland. Are you sensing a theme here? Are you connecting any of these dots? Six in Seattle, six in LA, two in Portland, one in Philly, and one in Washington, D.C. Right, this is where all of the MAGA people are. This is MAGA country, right? They said they're going to transfer the employees to other stores. They said in a statement, we cannot serve as partners if we don't feel safe at work. Starbucks also said it would give store managers leeway to close restrooms, limit seating, or reduce operations in response to safety concerns. This is all from MarketWatch.com. That's CBS, right? MarketWatch, I believe. So what, what, what are they not telling us here? What's missing from the story? Can you figure it out? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty obvious, right? These are, the, these are the places where the cities have allowed safety and security to deteriorate to such, a, such an extent that people are shooting up in the bathrooms, fighting patrons in the dining room, fighting staff, defecating on the floors, sleeping on the tables, whatever. And then there's this, speaking of coffee shops, there's a coffee shop, uh, it's called Mina's World. It's in Philadelphia. So Philly's losing another coffee, the first of Starbucks, and now Mina's World. Mina's World. No level of wokeness is ever going to be enough. This, this coffee shop has learned the lesson. According to the Daily Wire, they were forced to shut its doors after a group of employees revolted against the owners. Now, less than two years ago, Bon Appetit magazine wrote a glowing review of Mina's World. It's more than just drinks and decor. It seeks to be an alternate kind of coffee shop in Philly, one that pays its employees fairly, has black and brown employees in managerial positions, prioritizes ethical sourcing when it comes to its coffee beans, and never turns away a customer. The co-owner, one of them, Sonam Parikh, bragged about the business's commitment to leftism. And she said, I have worked in coffee since 18. Uh, Most of the workplaces were really toxic in the sense that the workers were not paid well and white ownership neglected to protect their black and trans employees. I knew there needed to be a space you could have an amazing cup of coffee that's not whitewashed. She's got all the buzzwords, right? She knows all the buzzwords. I don't know if she's using them in the correct way. I mean, I just think you just throw all that stuff into any given sentence and people think you're really woke. Anyway, fast forward to June. Group of employees from Mina's World outlined their allegations against her and her co-owner, Kate Egghart, which I think she really missed an opportunity going into, I don't know, like a breakfast sandwich place. Anyway, we are facing systemic employer opposition, they said. Manipulation, abuse of power, exploitation, anti-blackness, ableism, hostility, and complete disregard for our livelihoods. They then posted a list of grievances um, talking about a lack of financial transparency and tokenization as a way to appear safe by association. They gave a list of demands demanding money, redistribute the business, and begin the process of transforming it into a co-op. And the business owners caved. 
They did this struggle session apology. Sorry, we're not woke enough. They did all of that. And then closed the doors, ran out of money, posted it on Instagram. Because, of course, you're never woke enough. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.